Welcome to Just a Cup on Believe and Organic Conversation with the world's greatest athletes and the coaches who coach them, just as if we were in a coffee shop having a cup of joe. Today, I have a pretty unique pleasure, uh, to say the least. I, I get to have one of my former athletes on and get a chance to talk. He's doing incredible things. Henry Wynn, who is a high school national champion of mile, an NCAA champion of mile, recently the U.S. indoor runner-up in the mile, and a world record holder in the four-by-mile, and he ran 351.26 for you out there pretty fast, under four minutes in the mile. Henry, it's good to have you here all the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, it's great to be on. I guess, uh, you know, you can guess what my event is, but I'm happy to be here talking and uh, still the whole day back at UVA. I know, man. And, and you guys are out in Albuquerque now. We had Heather McLean on uh, a couple weeks ago and she was talking. They were at altitude training. So obviously a popular thing to be doing, you know, for, for a track and field athlete, specifically a distance, middle distance runner. You know, out in Albuquerque, why Albuquerque necessarily – does you know the books Brooks Beasts and and crew come out there for? Uh, we've been coming out here for years. Danny, I guess, found this place back in the day. There's a, a few kind of hot spots in the U.S. Uh, like Boulder, Flagstaff. They get a little bit crowded, so I think he was looking for some place that was a little off the beaten path. Um, honestly, he's a huge uh, MMA fan. There's a bunch of MMA fighters <laughs> out here, so that's probably part of the reason. Um, but yeah, so we, come, we started coming out here. It's about 5,000 to 7,000 feet gets the job done in terms of altitude training. Uh, good weather, sunny. You know, I don't want to hype it up too much because you don't, you don't want the track to be too crowded one of these days. But no, we right. enjoy it out here. And we, we uh, like I said, I've been coming out here for six years, so we're comfortable. We've got gyms and everything, and we, we love it out here. Will you do any competing indoors uh, this year at all? Or is it just straight on to the outdoor year with the, with the Olympic year being it? Yeah, with uh, such a big year, the focus is obviously the Olympic trials come uh, outdoor season, but I'm in a, a great position personally because I have an indoor world time and the USA qualifier. So I got get to stack a lot of training together. I came to altitude um, about three weeks ago, and then in two weeks is the U.S. championships actually hosted in Albuquerque. So a little home field advantage, and we're adjusted to altitude. So I'm pumped that I just get to lay down a good base of training and, you know, then compete for a spot on the U.S. indoor world team. Yeah, I can, I can say I, I took a group of athletes, hip athletes out to Albuquerque a number of years ago when I was at Mississippi State. We went to the, the Brazilian steakhouse. So before the meet, I was not even thinking, I don't know what it was. So I would advise nobody go to a Brazilian steakhouse pre-meet. Uh, the guts were a little full. Our performances yeah, were terrible. Yeah. My boss could have killed me because we we I sucked think it up. They normally so say carbs. I think they normally go with carbs before it, <laughs> not meat. But you know that could that could be the new wave if it had worked. Uh, the the, the uh, carnivore diet right before uh, you step on the mile. You put an extra five pounds. <laughs> that, that was probably the dumbest decision I ever made as a college year coach. It was uh, <laughs> was doing that. I, I was thinking me personally and not necessarily thinking of of three heptathletes. So. Yeah, <laughs> not a good you thing. Live and you learn. You, you definitely live in the you learn. The uh, I mean, Albuquerque's you know really hosted so many things, NCAA championships, and with the USA championships. Um, what's the uniqueness of having a championship? You know, it's like like at a place where it's common, and then you go to the Olympic trials, which you know Eugene, Oregon has been you know the host forever. 
the atmospheres, do they help out or does it really matter? I think for me, the atmosphere is huge. Like we did a lot of races during COVID a few years ago and there was nobody in the stands and it just, you couldn't really get your best performances out. Cause at the mm -hmm. end of the day, we, I mean, we thrive off of people cheering, you thrive off the energy that comes with being at a race and you know, you being a track coach, you've seen a million times, somebody might kind of suck at practice and then they can pull it out at a race mm -hmm. where like the adrenaline starts pumping and a performance that you're like, how the heck did you do that after what I've been watching? <laughs> practice? Right. True. So, they, they, those are the frustrating times. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, you know, when we go to Eugene or when we go to Albuquerque, like the, the stadiums are packed, there's thousands of people and you kind of look around, you just uh, thrive off the energy. You'd mentioned Danny, Danny Mackey, who is the head coach of the Brooks Beasts track club. Um, you mentioned him like an MMA, you know, you've got a pretty big group that's out there. And I think people that aren't really associated or don't really understand professional track and field as much as they might see a high school or, or college. There's not really many team environments. The Brooks Beast is a unique situation. What is that like still having a team competing as an individual on a pro level compared to what it was like in college? Yeah, it's like, you know, track, even when you're in college or in high school, is a very individual sport. You have, you obviously train with your friends and your teammates, uh, you travel with them. But when you step on the track, it doesn't matter what they do on the day unless you're in a relay. Right. It really just matters on your own performance. So I think I've always thrived in a team environment where I have people motivating me, you know, to get to practice every day, to work hard, to bring that uh, kind of next level of uh, you know, competitiveness and drive. And then when you get to the, the actual races, you're by yourself, but you still have people supporting you and you've put in all that work with them. So I love the fact that we have, you know, a quote unquote, like college kind of team. We have got 14 people. We've got an athletic trainer, assistant coach, Danny, that's our head coach. And so we travel in a big pack. We show up to practice every day. We're all friends. Like, you know, we don't put it on for social media. We actually like each other. <laughs> we hang out like, it's very motivating and you learn a lot from people because, you know, uh, sometimes you might not even notice that you're doing something and somebody will pull you aside and be like, all right, you're like, your headspace seemed a little off today. And then you realize that you, you need to work on this or that. And so I've learned so much from all my teammates from high school to college to professional. And I'm so grateful for them. Well, obviously, you know, you get in a group, a training group, you get some unique personalities. Is there one guy or girl you know, in the Brooks Beast that just has a personality or just is kind of maybe the joker or kind of the person that's like always playing pranks. Do you have those kind of aspects or dynamics in the team? Uh, well, I think if you asked anybody on the team, it would be me as the joker. We did like a, <laughs> we did like an interview for Brooks recently. And I think almost everybody said that I was like the one who messed around and joked. But like that's kind of my personality. I, I enjoy bringing kind of a bit of levity to practice and having a good time and then being serious when it matters. But on the daily basis, I like to keep it light. <laughs> you got to. I mean, it, 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 it's fun. Now, you, you mentioned before we got on that you're, you're at Josh Kerr's house, you know, train, yeah. you know, that you're staying at a teammate's house who, who ran at the University of New Mexico in, in Albuquerque and obviously he's had incredible success. You know, what's that like being kind of in your, you're away from home? You live in Seattle and, you know, you're staying training you know, kind of in an environment that's not necessarily normal. It's like, you know, kind of like an Airbnb, yeah. but a friend's house, right? It's a, well, I'm very lucky that Josh lets a few of us stay here because I've stayed, I've 
spent multiple camps here. So you get comfortable. You, you got your room. You got the setup. You kind of know how things go. A lot of the team are at Airbnbs and you switch those up. It can be a little disorienting at first, but, you know, we're, as a professional athlete, you're barely home. So we live in Seattle, but I'm in Albuquerque for three or four months out of the year. I'm traveling for another month or two. I'm back home in Connecticut seeing my family. So really, I'm pretty comfortable living out of a suitcase. Uh, my, my, yeah, so <laughs> well, living out of a suitcase as a professional track and field athlete, I mean, you get to travel a ton. And, and I really have asked this question to every single person we've done an interview so far on Just a Cup with. You know, you get to travel. What's a unique place that you went to and what's your favorite place that you've gotten to travel to or gotten to compete in over the time? Yeah, I, I feel super lucky that I've gotten to travel. Like, I, I mean, in college, you go to the crazy, like craziest little towns in America, like maybe not right. necessarily vacation <laughs> destinations, but you get to see a lot of stuff. As a professional, you have the opportunity to go overseas, which is amazing. Um, just this last summer, I got to go to Switzerland for a race. Been to you know a few other awesome countries. I think my favorite would have to be Berlin, Germany. That was just hmm. that city was very cool. Had an amazing like vibe. Um, I'd love to go back there. And so it's weird because you know you are traveling to these amazing locations, but you are also doing your job. So you're sitting in a hotel room the majority of the day, relaxing before your right. race. So, you know, a lot of times you're just watching Netflix in a, in a far off place. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's on the Netflix calendar? I mean, what's, what's the, what's the go-to Netflix show or go-to show right now that you're watching? My go-to show has got to be modern family. Just the, gives me, you know, it's like a good vibe of a show, yeah. a lot of laughs. And uh, <laughs> recently we started watching too hot to handle. That's our like guilty. Too hot to handle. House. Just one of these dumb dating shows where it's like everybody's an idiot and like, you know, it's like a guilty pleasure where you're just like laughing at them and, uh, you know, a bunch of guys in the altitude house watching it might not be expected, but we, you know, we're cracking up. Hey, I'll tell you what, when I was in college, we watched, you know, 90210. That was well before <laughs> you were born ever. But uh, it was a bunch of college football players watching, you know, watching that. So I, I can relate to that a little bit. I can yeah, definitely tough to relate admit, to that. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Now I get to watch like, you know, um, what is it, the voice with my wife and stuff like that. It's a little, yeah, little, little, little easier, not, 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 not quite the same. Um, with, with training and, and being a professional athlete, it, I thought it was interesting. You, you did an article or an interview back in 2018 and it was how to run a fast mile. And, you know, when somebody, I mean, that's probably as, as a recreational athlete, as a professional athlete, you know, running under four minutes everybody knows about it. I mean, you know, when, you know, the average joggers, they say they're going to go run miles or they're going to go run a mile. And you mentioned four minutes and you've run under it and being on a world record four by mile team, uh, you know, in that article, you talked about how you could run a faster mile or how you could do that. What would be a tip for, you know, the random person or even the high school person that's trying to run faster in the mile? What's a tip for yeah. you? yeah that's like probably my favorite part about being a miler is like it's one of these events everybody knows you know you say you run the mile and people kind of can relate with that um i think it's cool as i get a little bit older my friends all get they're getting back into running they're staying in shape so i'm like the go-to guy to give them tips on what to do and i think (laughs) between a high school miler and maybe a recreational runner who's just getting back into it for the recreational runner i think really it's just about consistency um i think a lot of people when they're training start off too hot 
They like, mm. you know, you don't run for a week and then you like rip a workout and your legs are sore or you get like hurt yourself <laughs> a little bit. And then like right. you take two weeks off. So it's like, it's kind of a bit of a boring answer, but really just consistency. Like if you're doing three miles twice a week, it's better than five miles once a month. Like, <laughs> Right. Right. Um, yeah. Just like basic tips like that. I think a lot of people as they get older, they, they get away from like the speed stuff or they're a little more worried. I think like doing strides and like kind of turning your legs over a little bit. It's fun to feel fast. It's fun to run a little harder and that can help you a lot with a mile. And for your high school runners, I mean, a lot of them have good coaches or, you know, there's a lot of abundance of information online, but a lot of time it's, it's just, it is consistency in training. Um, mm -hmm. You're going to do more speed work. You're going to, you know, being a mile is kind of a jack of all trades. You do, you train a little bit longer, you train like a 5k guy, and then you also have to hit the speed on the other side. And hopefully on race day, it melds together and you're, able to run comfortably at a fast speed for a long time and then close hard. <laughs> okay. So, so you go up and down what it, it, 800 or 5k, which is the preference? If you had to do one of those two, I mean, preference would probably be an 800. You want to be on the track as short as possible. A lot of the times that 5k can definitely, definitely start. Brutal. Definitely brutal. What, what are some, you know, as, as a professional, you're always trying to get that next little bit. I mean, you know, a tenth of a second makes a difference, uh, no matter what race it would be. You know, you're not just going out and running miles. You're not just going out and, you know, doing sprints or whatever the whatever it might be. There's other auxiliary exercises or auxiliary, you know, devices or so forth that you're using to, to kind of like get the, the extra little bit. Is there anything that you're using right now from a standpoint of, you know, a modality or a device that you thought helped you out a little bit? Yeah, we actually do a lot of work like in the gym. Uh, we do a lot of like plyos, a lot of um, kind of drills, like movement drills. And the, the thought behind the drills especially is like our coach, Danny, he wants you to ingrain like a proper movement pattern in your mind mm -hmm. so that when you get really tired and you're fatigued at the end of the race, your mind reverts to the proper movement pattern rather than something uh, like a negative pattern that you might have picked up throughout your career. So you kind of just beat it into your head and it's like that's the one that you're going to go back to when you start falling apart rather than a uh, suboptimal kind of stride or maybe your shoulders get too high or anything like that. Um, we're also lucky enough to work with a gym in Albuquerque called Elevate, who, you know, like I said, Danny likes the MMA. They work with MMA fighters too. So <laughs> there are a bunch of badasses in there. And we, uh, we go in there and we do a lot of plyos. We do a lot of weight routines. Um, nothing too crazy. I mean, we're trying to move weight quickly. Um, it's not super light, but. No grappling. No, uh, no you know. We, we like, actually have no kicks. practice this year. Really? Uh, one, one time, yeah. Danny, he takes us to a jiu-jitsu class once a year to like we meet with like world champion jujitsu fighters. We've gone to like the gym that John bones Jones trains at. And we talked to his coach. Wow. Like, it's cool to be able to mentally like learn from different sports and, and take those little grains of knowledge that you can get on how they're successful and apply it to running. Um, but yeah, I think a huge aspect of why we do all this stuff is to stay healthy. And like, I'm probably going to beat a dead horse here, but like if you can stay consistent, you're going to be faster. So you go into the gym and you're supplementing your running with weight room or plyos to get the little muscles that, you know, are more at risk of being injured stronger so you can keep running. <laughs> it's greatness. <laughs> that, 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 that's what it's all about. 
Hey, you are listening to Just a Cup on Believe. If you've enjoyed the episode so far, please subscribe, like, comment, share, and share some more. Let people know it's how we continue to reach more and more listeners as that base continues to grow constantly. Remember, every team, every topic, this is Believe. I'm Coach Brian Fetzer. I have with me Henry Wynn, and I would say, Henry, you know, your last name. I, I remember the first time making a phone call recruiting and your name being Wynn just always stuck with me because it, it's what you try to do, right? You try to win. And you seem to have done it all the way through from high school to college and, and now on the pros. But it hasn't come with just, you know, it always happens. I mean, you've kind of got to ride the roller coaster from an injury standpoint, which it, it's almost, you know, synonymous with athletes. I mean, no, no athlete goes through life without getting hurt. You've had some things happen at, at very interesting times of your career. I mean, I remember you get pneumonia of all things before the NCAA first and second round, you know, to, you know, the knee injury to, I mean, I mean, there's so many things. How do you continue to come back? each time and almost come back better than what you were previously. Yeah, I think, you know, Danny has said this about me and it's, I know, I think it was in like Ted Lasso, but like I got that goldfish mind a little bit. Like I kind of just forget things. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think about my past injuries or anything like that. So it's kind of like if you don't dwell on it and something then pops up, it's like, that's the new challenge. And then once that's done with, you're, you're moving on. Like, Definitely, if I thought about it and I listed them all out, I'd be like, damn, I would, I've been injured way more than I thought I was. Or like, this has been a, you know, there's been a lot of work to stay healthy, but I kind of just take it one at a time and I hope it doesn't come up. But I've had weird things, like like you said, pneumonia. Like, I don't even know how that happened. Uh, <laughs> <the knee laughs> Neither injury, do I. Yeah, the knee injury was, you know, inopportune, but you just try to race through it. You try to get healthy. You do the little things to stay healthy to get back. And, like, really, it's just having – you know, the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel for me, like I want to get back and I've always been a competitor and I always want to like win. So if I have that as my motivation, like I can get through any injury and I'll I'll be, you know, I don't think an injury is ever going to make you worse in the long run, as long as you take care of it properly. What, what are some things you do for the mental side of, of track and field or for just mental side of athletes, mental side of life? You know, there's, is there anything special that you're doing to kind of, you know, kind of get your mind right? Yeah. Well, first, I'm going to go back to the last question, because I remember you in college saying that uh, as a, you know, as a high level athlete, you're always riding the razor's edge of injury and you should be used to like being one yeah. step from either side. So I've, I've had that in my mind as well, where it's mm-hmm. like when you get to that top level, you're really you're you're going as hard as you can your body is like fragile and you're like you're very much on the razor's edge so that's just part of the, the sport and i think i'd like just to reiterate to anybody who does get injured at a bad time or whatever like you can come back faster you can get better my teammate brandon kidder he's been injured for two years he just ran a two second pr at 30 wow. and he's he just ran 353 in the mile so wow don't he's been doing it for a long time i mean he's been around for a while yeah so I'm just don't ever let it get you down. You can get back and you can get better. It's going to take work, but everything in life takes work. It's worth it. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I've been talking, getting doing some some indoor meet broadcasts coming up and talking to the college coaches. And I almost forgot how many people were 
injured or not 100% at this time of year going in the indoor season because you're coming off the, high, the winter break and all those kind of things. And it just it's just the nature of the sport and track and field as opposed to football or basketball or baseball. You know, you have a little a little tweak, something that's not all the way off. You can still play. I mean, I played with broken bones in football when I was in college and stuff like that. But yeah, in track and field, you're not hiding those. You can't hide those things if you're running the whatever it might be or jumping, throwing. Yeah, we just we literally just talked about this on our run today, where it's like you're not hiding a little injury. So like, my advice to anybody listening is just take a day off, take two days off, and get better rather than having to take a month off because you thought you were going to tough it, you know, be too tough for your injury or whatever. Because in track, like, if you want to run a PR, you want to run fast, you got to be 90 to 100%. You can't be 80% and limping around. Well, you, you just mentioned you guys run a run and you're talking. I had uh, I've had so many people ask, you know, what are, they, what are they doing those runs? I mean, they're out there running for an hour or whatever. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of different things. But what, what do you do when you guys are on, like, a long run? And, you know, if you let people know that are listening, like, what an actual long run might be or, or just a yeah. typical run that you're doing. Yeah, well, we so I, I average like 75 to 80 miles a week. So that's like 12 miles ish a day. Long run might be 15, 16, 17, 18 <laughs> miles. Uh, it's, it's weird that we can spend so much time together and just like kind of talk about random stuff. Like it's, it's cool because there's not many like dead moments on a run. Like you're just chatting. Like I personally think it's the best time of the day because you don't have your phone on you. You don't have distractions mm. like. You're literally just in the moment for an hour or two hours talking right. to your friends outside like and whatever i mean whatever you talk about we've had weird conversations i'm sure anybody who runs can <laughs> relate to that so what, what what's 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 i mean they talk about relationships you talk about you know like you know what you see you know on the street there i mean any topic you could probably think of we probably talked about <laughs> it. uh and yeah no they relationships yes what show you're watching like I don't know, talking about the future, talking about the past, talking about stories, all this stuff. It's 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 fun to because you really get to know the people that you run with. And that can even translate if you're not a pro, if you're just in a right. running group in your town or something like that. Those are going to be your best friends because you're really like very intentional and in the moment with them. Do you, do you have any have anybody like after a run, like when you guys are in Seattle or wherever you might be, you know, kind of like ask you the question, like, what are you guys doing? Like you guys are all together. Like, do you, do you ever get like those random kind of questions? Yeah, we, people? I mean, pe people never know what we're doing. Like, we're, <laughs> they, they ask us what we're doing on runs. I kind of try to describe what I just said. And it sounds weird if you're not actually experiencing it. Uh, right. People are always asking, like, what's your job like? Like, I mean, if you break down what our job looks like on a daily basis, it is pretty boring. And it looks like, you know. Okay. So what, what's, a, what's a typical day of a professional runner in the Brooks Beast track club? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. You know, this is this is going to make it sound like we're lazy, but, you know, we wake up in the morning, <laughs> we train, we, you know, we have breakfast, we go to training, we'll, you know, get treatment, you know, depending if it's a workout there or not, we'll go to the, the weight room, we'll come back, uh, probably like get some treatment from our PT, or sorry, our athletic trainer, Sarah, uh, maybe go to a PT, a Cairo, massage appointment, that kind of thing. You'll take a nap, most likely, you might double in the afternoon, you'll have mm -hmm. dinner, you relax at night, you try to go to bed early. So it's like, it sounds like a lot of downtime. And there is a lot of like, that's one of the great things about being a pro is that you get to kind of have downtime and uh, explore your interests. But also it's like, you being a college coach, you know this, like kids get exhausted, like we get exhausted. Like, sure. It's a lot of mental energy. And so 
you know, if you're training 80 miles a week and you're training as hard as you can, you're riding that razor's edge. Like, yeah, you might not do that much. You might not be on the nine to five job, but you're, you're mentally dead after practice and you just want to like lay down and relax a little bit. I can understand that. I mean, that's, uh, it, it's your job. And I think yeah. some people don't quite understand that being a, a professional athlete, your job is to be a professional athlete. It's not yeah. to work a nine to five job. So it's, uh, it is, it's cool. And you know, you have to work on being a pro, you get to do everything right. So you don't really have an excuse for not getting your nutrition, right. Your sleep, right. Your hydration, your mental health, right. Um, and seeing your trainers, all that kind of stuff. So it is like, you get, you really get to, you know, see how good you can be. What's a go-to food for you? I mean, what's your, I mean, maybe like what's, a, what's a, a cheap food or, but what's, what's a normal, you know, staple in the Henry Wynn diet? I think, you know, normal staple, I mean, it's a lot of carbs fuel you up. So like rice, potatoes, that kind of thing. You know, we'll just like, I actually do one of those like meal services. It's like a green chef where they send you a box of food and like, <laughs> right. I, I just don't really like going to the grocery store and it's like healthy food. So it gets your greens, it gets your carbs, it gets your proteins and all that kind of stuff. And it's really, we work with our nutritionist, um, Dr. Kyle, who he, depending on your kind of body makeup and your right. event, that kind of thing, he gives you target levels of like how much carb you have to eat, how much protein. And like, it's important to hit those numbers because it gets you either fueled up for your next workout or recovered to get into the next one. So, you know, it's a, it's pretty scientific when you break it down, but it's, uh, you know, it's important to get the fueling right specifically. I mean, you live in Seattle, right? I mean, you, you Staples, Connecticut, you know, growing yeah. up. So you go from East coast to West coast. Um, is, is the, is the Seattle vibe? Um, I mean, I, I kind of laugh and think Seattle vibe, like Nirvana and stuff like that, but that, that shows my age a little bit, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of professional sports teams out there. There's a lot of professional, you know, athletes in Seattle. Is there ever kind of a, a mixture where, you know, the professional athletes kind of get together or you, you see anybody, you know, in circles and so forth? You see, like, I mean, we don't really hang it. We're not hanging out with the uh, you know, hockey teams or anything like that. Right. Stuff, but a lot of, like, <laughs> the endurance athletes you'll see on the trails, you'll see, like, there's very similar places that people run. And, like, one of the things I like about our team is we're pretty open. So if you have a friend or you have, like, somebody in town that you know from college or whatever, they're welcome to come to practice. We let them, hmm. you know, stop in. We'll run with them. Like, you make friends that way. And so there's a very, like, open community of athletes in Seattle. And it's nice to see, like, from – you know, your semi-pro to your pro to your hobby runner, right. uh, you know, on a, on an easy day, I'm running eight miles pretty easy. And most people can keep up like that are, have kept up with the sport. So you invite your friend right. out there, you invite, they invite their friend and you just have a little squad. Do you, do you find it's kind of track and field or, or running is a little unique compared to other sports where you do just that? I mean, you might have practice with a competitor more so yeah. than, you know, I mean, you're not going to have football practice with, you know, somebody you're competing against I me, mean, you might train or work out with them, but you're not practicing. With them. Yeah. Track is a, it's a smaller sport. So, you know, we, we kind of want, have each other's backs. And like, I think the cool thing with being a track athlete is like I said a little earlier, like whatever anybody else does, doesn't affect you. Like you need to run your own race on the day. You need to be mentally there. You need to be physically ready, put months in. And like, if your competitor's faster than you, then, you know, so be it. They did the work and they, they got you on the day. All you can really do is show up and be your 100% and 
like so that i think it it breeds like a bit of a community so you know you don't really hold a grudge against anybody you're like this is my friend i race with them like we want to kill each other on the track but when it's done shake hands and you're happy for them you are listening to Jessica cup on believe coach brian fetzer here with henry Wynn of the brooks beasts you can see down in the bottom if you're watching online or you are following on social media you can see some of the, the instagram i mean instagram is a prevalent uh you know place for for athletes all the time and there's a couple different places where you can follow, follow henry with uh, h winning or the brooks beasts track club um, social media, I mean, you see some athletes that are all about it. I mean, they're posting all the time. Is there somebody in the in the Brooks Beast Track Club that's like, you know, a social media holic? Oh, or... well, I would, you know, we have, uh, I would give the shout out to Marta uh, Penfredis, who's our Portuguese <laughs> uh, athlete. She's like amazing at social media. I'm jealous of her because she's very much locked in on it. She's got a great following. She's like, super positive and she has a great message so she i don't know if she's a, a social media holics because i think she tries to limit it for her own personal consumption but she does a good job of like posting uh and building her own brand which i think you know i could definitely work on and uh you know take a lesson from her. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think i think it's one of those things you mentioned earlier uh before we we got on that you know you try to limit you know your your social media use because it can be can be crazy. I, I, I was listening to an interview with, with Trent Dilfer, uh, uh, who NFL Super Bowl quarterback, used to work in, in, in television, now is the University of Alabama, Birmingham. But 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 Trent was talking about like 50-50. Like 50% of the people like you, 50% of the people hate you. So, you know, you get on social media too much. Mentally, I can imagine, you know, you know, they start thrashing you about something if you lose a race or something like that. I mean, is that kind of like kind of the mindset of not being on it too much or is it just I mean, hearing the noise? I used to you know, go on and you'd run a good race and you'd be like, oh, I can't wait to see like people hyping me up. And you'd go on and they'd be like, screw this guy. He sucks. I'm like, <laughs> all right, there's nothing you like. You realize you quickly realize there's nothing you can do without like some hater coming out and like saying anything and they're normally the loudest so you're gonna see the post being like you suck yeah rather than the hundreds of people who like think it was an amazing race who just didn't feel like posting about it or you know right online as much but um yeah i mean i don't care about anything other than running fast that's a weird thing about being a pro is like you have to do the social media part because you're you are a brand and you're like trying to promote like my my team my brand brooks running um if it was up to me i'd be like a monk and just kind of in my zone <laughs> but <laughs> you gotta you gotta break out of that a little bit and like i obviously love doing stuff like this like podcasts and talking to people because i want to spread my knowledge and hopefully inspire especially like the younger generation and give them a little insight into what it takes to be a pro or anything like that what what would be next i mean you know running doesn't last forever well running can last forever but being a professional athlete can't last forever what is what's on the horizon what are you know aspirations when you when you run that last mile when you run the last race as professionally what's what what do you want to get into after that or do you even know yet I don't even know. I, I go back and forth because I think about it like, obviously, I went to UVA. I was proud of that degree. I was like an econ major. And I was like, at one point in my life, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go into you know some 
be an investment banker or something like that. And then I kind of see what that entails with friends who do it. I'm like, I can't sit behind a desk all day. I, mm-hmm. I got too much energy. So my goal would be to work for a brand that's like very much like, uh, you know, maybe outdoorsy or athletics adjacent where they appreciate like, you know, be yeah. active. They, they don't have you sitting behind a desk all day. So I don't really know what that means, but I'm hoping <laughs> being a pro runner introduces me to the right people and I'm sure it'll work out. Oh, there's, there's no, there's no question about that. No, <laughs> I, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that that will be, it will be the case. Um, you know, I want to, want to, want to go back and, and talk about family and you talk about, cause you earlier in the conversation, you were talking about support and stuff like that. Um, you know, support from family and friends. How, how has, how has that been? Cause obviously you just said you have friends that are in, in banking and so forth. You know, what, what do friends and family think about what you do for a living right now? I am lucky because all my friends and family, like they love it. They might not have ever known anybody who's a pro or really cared about running before me, but they support me as a person and they think it's an amazing opportunity. Like, I don't know, as a, as a professional, sometimes you can think like, Oh, this is a weird job. Like you have FOMO, right. like your friends who get to go on vacations all the time, get to do this. And then like, <laughs> I'm very grateful that my friends, when I talk to them about that, they're like, dude, you literally have the coolest job ever. Like you shouldn't be jealous of us at all. Like we're behind a desk all day. I'm like, it kind of puts it back into perspective. And and so I'm very grateful that they've always been there to like kind of talk me down from being like jealous of missing out on my, you know, kind of regular life. Cause in college I didn't have a regular life. We travel all the time. We race. You have those priorities yep. as a, as a, you know, young 20 year olds, same type of deal. Um, and my, you know, my family loves the sport. My dad's a huge fan. You know, you've met him. He's oh, a, yeah. oh, he's yeah. a big track fan. He watches everything. Uh, luckily he doesn't tell me what to do. I had a conversation when I was like in <laughs> high school with him. I remember he was like t- trying to tell me how to run a race. And I was like, dad, just let me do this. Like you just enjoy watching. Cause I know what I'm doing. Right. And so that's, been, yeah, that's good. He, he's just been a supporter, which I love my mom. She gets so nervous. Like she came to regionals one time and i ended up winning the race and i was like oh mom did you see that last 400 she's like i had my eyes closed the whole time (laughs) (laughs) i'm too nervous that's that that, you know what that what you just described sounds like a typical mom and a typical dad dad wants to tell you things about how to get better at it mom's scared to death that you're not going to have the success that you think you have that's that's yeah i i would say that that's probably more the norm across the board than anything yeah, I would um, say it is. And I also, I have to sh- uh, shout out my girlfriend as well. She, uh, she's a huge supporter of mine, and I always appreciate her because gotta you know, take care of the women in your life. She's who I go to on a daily basis to talk about the ups and downs, and uh, yeah, she keeps me grounded. That's good. What, what does she do for a living? She sells uh, medical like software. <laughs> so she's, one of the, she's she's behind a desk and so i'm trying to get her into, her into her running uh era right now and she's doing well she's gonna run a half marathon soon so i'm coaching ah, her a little bit through that that's awesome that's awesome and that's well, you about oh sorry go ahead no thing about track is like when you meet like you know it's a sport that you see in the olympics but then i'm glad that there's podcasts like what you're doing because when you actually have an insight into people's lives like you care about the runners like it's very exciting i right. think and everybody in my life who might never have cared about track because they have like a little bit of somebody to root for. They're like, this is sick. And then they see the process and it's, uh, so it's cool. It's, it's fun. Well, you, you have the dubious distinction that 
not very many people get to have that you actually are a world record holder. And you know, getting to watch the race in New York when you guys broke the four-by-mile world record, I can't even imagine what that feeling was. I, I was, like, blown away watching you do it. Um, but to know that nobody in the history of the world has done something as well as what you did, what is that even like? I mean, how do you even describe that? It's probably not going to be the description you think, but it's like, <laughs> as an athlete, I haven't taken the time to think about anything I've done. It's always like on to the next. So I think one day when I'm sitting down after I'm a, uh, you know done being a pro, maybe with a glass of whiskey, looking at a sunset or something, I'll uh, you know, I'll let it kind of flood me like, wow, I really did that. I you know I won these races. I'm a world record holder. Like, yeah. But in the moment you can never rest on your laurels. So you get it done and you're like, that's incredible. You see the world record next to your guys' names. And it's like, it's something that you've dreamed of that maybe I didn't even ever think was going to happen. It happens in the moment. You're like, that day is amazing. And the next day, like, I got to get back to work. <laughs> now I'm a world record holder. I can't slack. I, I can appreciate that. I'm going to let you go on this. I try to ask every, uh, any, every guest that we have on Just a Cup. If there's advice, and you've already given them some great, great advice, is there some advice that you would give to that individual, no matter what it is, that wants to be successful? What would that would that would that advice be in anything? Yeah, I think uh, well, I think first off, athletics can translate to anything in life. Um, the lessons you learn as an athlete will will bring you far. Um, I'm going to sound like an old guy. I'm only 28 years old, but I'm I, you know you're in the <laughs> twilight of your career as a 28 year old in track and field, and it's like I would say like as a young kid, like never take, never take the opportunity for granted. If you're in college, mm. never take it for granted. Um, I wouldn't say I did, but I say there was definitely, I could have probably taken it a little more seriously. And as I look back, I'm like, I wonder like what, what I could have done. I've been successful, but you just, you have this opportunity that not many people in the world have um, just kind of grab it by the horns, you know, do your, you know, all the, all the boring basic things you roll, you're stretching, you're sleeping, you're eating like, mm. And really see what you can get out of yourself because when you're done, it's never going to come back. It sounds melancholy, but it's kind of a cool opportunity because you get yeah. to you have this one moment in your life to be the best version of yourself. That that is probably way better advice than you could think that it is for for anybody. Um, no no question about that. Well, Henry, thanks for being on Henry Wynn with the Brooks Beast Track Club. Uh, make sure you you follow and and kind of. Look out for the Brooks Beasts and what they're what they're what they're doing. Obviously, Danny's doing a great job, you know, with that group coaching them, and and uh, they definitely have some unique characters with, without uh, without question uh, on both genders. Um, so, Henry, thanks for the time. You've uh, been listening to podcast on Believe Just a Cup. It's also on Apple and Spotify. You can download. Please uh, subscribe, like, comment, share. Do all that fun stuff. It helps us grow. We can reach more people and get the word spread out about some of these amazing Olympic athletes and Olympic sport athletes uh, from, from all over the world. Have a great one for Just a Cup. I'm Coach uh, Brian Fetzer. Be blessed, my friends. Thank you.